chapter 4, Ephesians chapter number 4, that great change chapter of the Word of God. We can be challenged spiritually from it uh, over our lives, making the changes that are necessary for us to live in accordance with the Word of God and what God wants us to do. You know, we're talking about the mind, and the fact of the matter is, is we're never going to be able to think right outside of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, that's just the fact of the matter is, and we've got to come to that realization, get to the place where we acknowledge that fact, uh, that we need the Spirit of God, we need the Word of God to think correctly. Uh, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, not that we have all sufficiency uh, that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Our sufficiency is of God. And now I know that there are those that are uh, narcissists. There are those that really believe they're self-made men. They've pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps and they're all that in a bag of chips. But the fact of the matter is, is if we are at all honest with ourselves, we understand uh, that we really aren't, that there really is some, some lacking there. And it's, it's, it's not false humility to, to realize where you're weak and to acknowledge that and to realize that what we need is the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help us to think correctly. That is God's plan. That's God's desire. We are to be, uh, according to Romans 8.29, we are to be conformed, what does it tell us? Conformed into the image of God's Son. So not conformed into what I want to be or basically we talk to the young people and I understand and there's nothing sinfully or wrong about that. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and you know, what are you going to do? And, and here's, you know, and, and we, maybe we, if you aren't careful, you'll, you'll put an entire dream in a young person's heart and mind uh, outside of the will of God or outside of what God would have them to be. And it becomes this thing, well, I, this is what I'm going to make myself. I'm going to build myself into this. I'm going to become this. This is who I want to be. I want to be this type of a person. But we need Jesus Christ. We're not sufficient in ourselves. We're to be conformed, what, into the image of God's Son, not into what we think up or dream in our mind. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul gives us three practical steps to take to have a conformed mind. Let's read those verses together. He says there in verse number 22 and 23, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, he says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. This is what the expectation is. This is what God wants us to do. These examples of putting off and putting on, being changed and conformed into the image of God's Son. And it begins, as I said, as we look at verse number 22 there, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the seedful lust. If we're honest, there is a corruption in the heart of man. There's a deceitful lust. There's things, hey, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? There, we even deceive our own selves at times. And we've got to acknowledge that. We've got to realize that that's the case. If we're going to be conformed into the image of God's Son, there has to be a realization. There has to be a repentance of sinful patterns. Repentance of sinful patterns. 
That is your first, your first blank in your notes there. Repentance of sinful patterns. You see, uh, we have to be aware of the fact and acknowledge the fact that there are the possibility, there is the possibility of sinful patterns present in our mind, present in our heart, present in our life. If we're honest, we have to admit this fact. We discussed this quite a bit when we were going through our study of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But, uh, you know, in 1st John there, I think it's in verse number 8, he says, uh, if we have no sin, somebody help me, my mind just went blank. I'm sorry? Yeah, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. We, We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So here's the thing, we... If we say we have no sin, now, anybody that's been in church for any length of time has grown enough that they're ready to admit and acknowledge the fact that they, they, oh, we know, we're sinners, amen, we're sinners, I'm a sinner, bless God, I'm a redeemed sinner. God's changed me, praise the Lord, and and we, we acknowledge that. Nobody would stand up and say, well, I'm not a sinner. Oh, I would never be so arrogant or so full of myself to say I'm not a sinner. Boy, that, we, w- we wouldn't do that for sure. Why, why would you even say that? But here's the, here's the telltale thing. This is what you need to think about. When was the last time you confessed a sin? We wouldn't stand up and say, well, I'm not a sinner. But how many weeks or months or even longer has it been since you went to your Heavenly Father and acknowledged sinful thoughts, sinful attitudes, sinful patterns in your life. You see, that's the reality of what we truly think. If it's been weeks or months or longer since you've really got honest with God and said, boy, God, forgive me for the way I responded to my wife yesterday. That was sinful. That was wrong. Forgive me for the attitude of jealousy or bitterness or anger or malice that I had. Lord, help me to repent of these things. Lord, forgive me of this. If it's been a long time since you've done that, then you're living like you believe you have no sin. And he says, hey, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We're not to be living like we have no sin because we know we have sin, but how long has it been since you've repented of sinful patterns? So there's a realization of sinful thought patterns that's necessary. A realization. That's the next point there, letter A, under your books there. So I, sometimes I see nobody's writing, and I think at least the majority of people, they didn't realize we're moving on to the next point. So uh, there's that realization. I'm just introducing that. There's got to be that acknowledgement, that realization. And, and I know I'm not telling you anything new, but I'm hoping just to maybe remind us or to think about that fact that we need to be aware of the fact that sometimes there's sinful thought patterns and, and attitudes and spirits that get into our heart and mind, and we need to be aware of that. We need to repent of those things. <clears throat> he tells us that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. That's verse number 22. Ephesians 4.22 for the lesson this morning. You want to write that down in your notes so you have it right there. The realization of sinful thought patterns. Uh, there's putting off. That's getting rid of. That's repenting. That's changing your mind. Wearsby drew a great picture uh, from uh, Lazarus, 
when he talks about the idea that Lazarus was dead and, and you know, they even came to him and said, oh, Jesus, it's too late. He's been dead and, and boy, he stinketh. I mean, he's going to smell and everything. Uh, I, Lord, if you would have come, we would be okay, but now I'm not sure. But you guys know the story. Jesus went and he called Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And when Lazarus came up out of the grave, here's the picture. Lazarus was dead and he was wrapped in those burial clothes, those clothes that stank, those clothes that marked him as a dead man. But he wasn't dead anymore. God said, come forth. And he arose alive through Jesus Christ, the power of God. And then he says, take off those burial clothes. Put off those things that mark you as a dead man because now you're among the living. And we were dead in our trespasses and sinned and we were clothed in our own righteousness. But now as a living being saved in and through the power of God, we've been clothed in the righteousness of God. And God's saying, hey, you got to put off those burial clothes. you got to put off those things that mark you as a dead man dead in your trespasses and sin because you've been made alive in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to do. Realize that these sinful thought patterns are present. Repent of any corruption. Repent of any corruption that you find in your heart. He says that there. Uh, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. There is some corruption. There are some things that are present in the heart of every single one of us, maybe to various degrees. Uh, corruption, thought patterns that we thought were acceptable or okay. We were justified in our mind before, but realizing and through the power of God and how we've learned that maybe that thought pattern is not in line with the scripture. And so we need to change that. We need to confess it. In Acts 8, verse number 22, he says, Repent, therefore, of this wicked wickedness and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. He says, hey, repent. Sometimes there's some thought patterns. Sometimes there's some things in our heart and life that need to be changed. Sadly, the fact of the matter is we're all given to some different patterns. We all have ways in which we do things. Yesterday, we had the privilege of going, and we were with John and Stephanie and celebrating James' one-year-old birthday, you know, and, and uh, John is his own person, you know. John is John, praise the Lord. Uh, he's a blessing. But you know what? He is an awful lot like Brother Norman back there. That There's some patterns and things that John does, and Joseph, I think, is even more like Brother Mark. And, uh, you know, they were, they were both there yesterday, and they're, 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 they have some patterns that are the way they are. And we're all that way. We all have some different patterns that uh, mark our life. Well, there's some things that were patterns of our life. They were our former conversation. They were part of our life before we were saved. And maybe we need to be willing to let those go. Maybe we need to say, you know what, that's who I was, but not who I should be. And we need to be ready and willing to let that go. There's some patterns maybe that you're used to that maybe you have a tendency toward. You know, one of the big, very readily available or visible things is sometimes people are given to anger. They have a tendency to that. The Bible says make no friends with an angry man. Anger is not something that should be part of the life of the believer. We need to confess that as sin and, and, and get our spirit under control. But sometimes we may have a tendency towards that. And, and our kids, boy, kids know how to push your buttons. 
I'll tell you what, they, they sure do know how to do that. And, and, you know, you've got your mate, you've got friends, you've got things that happen, and, boy, you just get so angry. You need to acknowledge that. Realize that's a, that's a sinful pattern. And that's just one example. You guys can give to me many other, but there's repent of this corruption, repent of any craftiness or uh, deceitful lust there, he says. Things that maybe in your mind you were tricked by deceitful us that come into our hearts and minds. We got to guard against allowing ourselves to be turned back to what we were when we were unsaved, that unsaved mind, the unspiritual person, unholiness. Um, we need to, the repentance of sinful thought patterns. So there's a realization of sinful thought patterns. We got to realize it, acknowledge it, be, be conscious of the fact that they're there and then we need to repent of those sinful thought patterns and, and turn around. We often repent of our sinful actions, things that we do, because they're visible. Oftentimes, an action will get you in trouble. Sometimes you can get away with thinking about it. You know, you see the young people and, you know, Andrew may want to hit his sister not anymore. They're much older than that now, so that would not be the case. But, you know, when they were younger, he could be sitting in the car and be frustrated with her, and he may think about hitting her, but he knows if he does that action, he's going to be in trouble. But see, there's a sinful, sinful thought pattern there. He didn't pr perform the action yet, but, but he, that, that's what we need to be repenting of. If we repent of the action, we'll never be guilty of the action if we repent of the attitude. So, repentance of these sinful thought patterns. If we repent of that attitude, we'll never be guilty of the action. The Bible tells us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, if you think about it very long, you're going to end up doing it. What are some sinful thought patterns or attitudes that creep into the heart of the believer and sometimes even in our heart and minds, we want to explain away or justify and say, well, this is okay, or it's all right if I have this attitude, or I can live with this spirit, and I haven't done anything wrong yet. What are, what are some thin, sinful thought patterns or attitudes that creep into the heart of believers? Ms. Crane? Jealousy. Jealousy. Very prevalent uh, in, in our world today, and it's amazing Critical spirit, a critical attitude about things. And, you know, we disguise that under spirituality and we want to do things right for God. And uh, so we can be critical of, of others who aren't doing it right, right? Criticalness. What's some other sinful spirits or attitudes that creep up in the hearts of, of even good Christians? They're, they're, this is a present. Impure thoughts. That leads down a road to actions that are obviously wrong, but we, we in our heart and mind think, oh, I've just thought it. It's okay. I'm not, I haven't done anything. Impure thoughts. Bitterness. Holding on to unforgiveness. It's in the heart. We know we're supposed to be, have a forgiving spirit, but for some reason we think, oh, it's okay for me to have this. 
We've, we've got to move on. But these are sinful thought patterns that we need to realize are there and we need to repent of them if we're going to be conformed into the image of God's Son, the goal, the, the direction we want to go. And so we acknowledge that. And we do it. How do we do it? We do it. We resist these things with a spirit-filled power. Verse number 23. Resist with spirit-filled power. You need the enhancement of the Spirit. We need the Spirit of God to help you to do this. What does Ephesians 4.23 there? He says, and be renewed in the Spirit of your mind, right? Be renewed in the Spirit of your mind. We need the Holy Spirit to help our mind be renewed. The human spirit will fail unless the Holy Spirit has filled it. We will fail in and of ourselves, but in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have victory. D.L. Moody said, God commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And if we are not filled, it's because we're living beneath our privileges. We have the privilege and the power to be filled with the Spirit of God, and many are not doing it. I read a story this week about a man who was struggling financially, and he had a very good friend uh, who was pretty wealthy. And this friend, knowing that this man was in, in pretty dire straits and in need of a lot of help, and this man was up in years, the wealthy man was up in years and didn't have a lot of time left on earth, but he had more money than he would ever spend. And he thought, well, I'm going to help my good friend out. He's, he's in need. And he gave him a very nice gift, which the man who was in tremendous need was very pleased with. But in the gift, he also included an envelope, a letter, and the man opened the gift, and the letter was in there, and he left the letter with the gift thinking it was just a, you know, hey, appreciate you or whatever. For a year, that letter was sitting there with that gift. One day, his wife came in, was looking at the gift that was given to him, and thought, well, I'm going to read the card or the letter that he sent. And he opened it up, and the only thing in there was a blank check. Signed, they could fill in the number. For a year, they had been struggling financially, trying to, to make ends meet, carrying burdens and dealing with all of the stress of, of not being able to pay their bills. And for a year, they had a blank check sitting on the desk that all they had to do was fill in the number, any number they wanted. The, the man was extremely wealthy, and he said, listen, I'm giving you a blank check. God says, I've given you the power of the Holy Spirit to live a God-filled, Spirit-filled life, to be victorious as a Christian. It's there. It's for you. But we say, oh, no, I'm going to do it in my, in my own strength. And we keep coming up short, struggling, trying to make the ends meet. Like the old Moody said, we're living beneath the privileges that are given to us. We must learn how to lean on the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, if you're in Ephesians he says there, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. According to, what's the next few words? The power that worketh in us. 
It's not our power. It's not our strength. It's the power that worketh in us. It is the Holy Spirit's power working in our hearts that allows us to do this. Zechariah 4, 6. Don't turn there. I'm going to be gone. He says, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. By my spirit. That's how we be renewed in our mind. That's how we're conformed into the image of God's son. This is a struggle and a battle people look at and say, man, I can't do it. Spiritual life, the Christian life is too hard. You're right. You can't do it. But God can. And if we would allow the spirit to fill us, in order for us to be filled, we must empty ourselves. In order for us to be enhanced by the Spirit of God, we've got to empty ourselves. We know that that's the case. A few weeks ago, we took a trip to Indiana, uh, took the, college, uh, the kids down to the college to compete and be part of Empowered Youth and stuff. And we had to stop on the way and pick up a young lady. We were just giving her a ride uh, there. She wasn't hitchhiking. We set it up with her parents and uh, met at a gas station. And we picked her up and gave her a ride to the college. Well, we met at a gas station. So in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm here I don't want to stop again. I'm just going to fill up right here. And we were just outside of Pittsburgh. But do you know that Pittsburgh is pretty close to the line? And when we crossed the line into Ohio, that uh, gas dropped by like 35 cents a gallon. And in my mind, I'm like, man, I wish I could buy gas at that price. But I couldn't because the tank was already full. (laughs) There was no room left. I could have stopped and got another couple bucks in there. But I just filled it up. Back there for 35 cents a gallon more expensive than what I just, I'm like, oh man, I should have waited. We could have stopped and saved a bunch of money on gas. But it's too late because it's already full of something else. And the problem is many people can't be filled because they're already full of themselves. John said in John chapter 3 verse number 30, he must increase, I must decrease. That's what we need. We've got to empty ourselves so the Holy Spirit can fill us. There has to be a decreasing of self that there might be an increasing of the Spirit. The picture drawn for us in Ephesians chapter 5 is very powerful. Ephesians 5.18, you guys know the verse, and be not drunk with wine where there's an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That picture drawn for us of somebody that's drunk, somebody that's inebriated, somebody that is under, what do they say when you're, you were driving under? The influence. Because you are not in your own control. Because you were influenced by something inside you. What an amazing picture God gave us. That doing something you wouldn't normally do or behaving in a way you wouldn't normally behave. Why? Because you're under the influence. Have you ever seen these videos of guys trying to pass the sobriety test? They can't hide it. No, I'm not. Junk. I haven't had anything to drink in two days. You know, they, they're, they can't hide it. They're inebriated. They, you know, they've been driving all over the road, and they're, they're like, okay, step, put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> you know, they, just, they can't hide it. And that's the picture that God has given us that, listen, when you're controlled by something else inside of you, you can't hide it. The fact of the matter is, is when the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is, is filling you and leading you and empowering you, it'll be evident in your actions, in your attitude, in your spirit, in the way that you talk, in the way that you act and react. You're going to have a disagreement. 
Brother Carbo, with your wife one day, and she is going to be shocked at how calm and how respectful and compassionate you are. She's going to say, wow, this guy is a new man. He has been changed. That's the spirit of God. That's what God does. Normally, in ourselves, we would have been, I'm so fed up with this. And we would be, you know, loud and boisterous and angry. But in the spirit of God, we realize we need to have a right, compassionate, understanding heart. And it's going to be evident to her that God is working in your life. And vice versa. I'm not just picking on them too. I'm telling you, that's for any one of us. And it doesn't matter how many years we've been saved. You know, sometimes... As a pastor, if I'm honest with you, there's sometimes that I'm up here and I'm preaching the word of God. And, you know, I can be doing that in my flesh. And it'll come through in the spirit that I have when I'm trying to impart truth. And instead of that word encouraging, exhorting and helping God's people to grow, it's hurtful and discourages why? Because I'm giving that in my own flesh in, in a way that was not led by the Spirit of God. I can say the same truth with the Spirit of God, saying the same message, but in through the Spirit of God and His leading, and the Word of God will go forth and it'll land in the heart of God's people, and they'll say, man, that's what I need to be. Instead of hurting, it helps. But it's the Spirit of God that makes the difference. We've, you cannot be drunk with wine where there's an excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Have you repented of sinful patterns in your life? Are you resisting these patterns by a Spirit-filled life? Martin Luther said, God made the world out of nothing. And it is only when we become nothing that God can make something out of us. God made the world out of nothing, and it's only when we become nothing that God can make something out of us. Thirdly, we replace with scriptural precepts. We replace with scriptural precepts. That's what we need to do. This is the put off and put on example given to us all throughout the scripture. And letter A there is putting off is equivalent to repentance. That is the idea of putting off, of putting away, of putting down things that we know are sinful thought patterns, sinful actions, things that we know God doesn't want us to do. There has to be a displacement of those things in your life. That being emptied so we can be filled, example. A displacement of those things. We have to make room for right patterns replaced with scriptural precepts. So it's not just good enough to put it off and stop doing something, but there are something that we need to replace it with. There's something that we need to be filled with. In uh, Ephesians 4.24, there he says, in, that ye put on the new man. Put on the new man. That's what we've got to do. It has to be something we physically choose to do, being led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. If that's going to happen, there has to be a change of our feeding. What is it that we're taking in? What is it that we are feasting on? The book of Acts says you cannot help but speak the things which thou hast seen and heard. You're, you're going to talk about whatever it is you're putting in, whatever you've been feeding on. 
we talk about whatever meal we had recently and how good it was or how bad it was or whatever. You're, you're discussing those things. And the same is true in our spiritual life. In Colossians 3, 8 through 10, he says, But now ye also put off all these. <coughs> Excuse me. He says anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. See, there's some things that we need to, we need to stop feeding at the trough of all that filth and start feeding at the trough of God's word and what he would have us do. And when we stop and we change what it is we're bringing in, then we'll be able to replace, replace our attitudes, our actions and things because we've put on some right things. When you change your focus... Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So we put on changing what our focus is on. What is it that you're thinking about? This is the key to victory, is the replacement theory. Have you ever had a thought in your heart and mind that you thought, well, you're just thinking about that particular thing. Maybe you're trying to go to bed or whatever, and you're just thinking about it, and, and you can't think about anything else. It just keeps coming up. It keeps coming up. You know how that ultimately ends up being, gets defeated? Because life comes in, and then all of a sudden, you're thinking about this, but now you have to think about, I got to go to work. At work, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And your mind now is occupied by current responsibilities. And so you can't think about that thing anymore. That is the put off and put on principle in our life. You, you have to, if you want to change those bad behaviors, you replace it with right behavior. And then those bad, bad behaviors won't come back. They've been defeated by it. That replacement theory is found through all the scriptures. We see it everywhere. Uh, Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Okay, that's the putting off, right? We're not supposed to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. But verse number 2 is, but his delight shall be in the law of the Lord, right? And in his law doth he meditate day and night. There's the put off, put on theory that they're writing Psalms uh, 1. And over and over and over again throughout scripture, we see that. Ephesians 4, here, look at verse number 28. He says, let him that steal, steal no more. So he's saying, put that off. Stop stealing. But what does he say? But rather, let him labor. Work with his hands. The thing which is good that, me, that he may have to give to him that is need. So that's what you put on. You were a thief and you just stole for your own gain. But he's saying you don't do that anymore. Now you labor and work with your hands so that you can have, so that you could even meet the needs of others that might help keep them from doing such. That's putting on. And you could, we could see that through the whole scripture. I don't have time to continue there. So we see letter B here is putting on is equivalent to restoration. So putting off is equivalent to repentance. That's repenting and stopping and let's quit doing that. And putting on is equivalent to restoration. That is doing what God wants us to do. We put on those things. The old simply must be replaced by the new. Let me ask you this. How many of you 
When was the last time you changed this photo? What would be your locked screen? Somebody looking for my photo. This is a photo of Alicia on a tube being pulled behind a, behind a boat. Uh, so I don't know. Was this in 21, the, that vacation? Um, so this picture has been there at least since 21. The last picture that I had on there was on there for four or five years. It was Caleb, and he was much smaller. And I thought, boy, I, I really need to change that. He he's probably doesn't like that picture anymore. Uh, he's uh, a lot bigger than that. Uh, when's the last time you changed your lock screen photo on your phone? Now, some of these young guys, they change it every week, you know. <laughs> and it's like, oh, let's update that, you know. Uh, here's the thing. What I'm saying is whatever is on your desktop, that screen, every time you sit down, it's staring you in the face. Whatever's there on your lock screen or your home screen on your phone, every time you open it, it's staring you in the face. But if you take a minute and change it, then it's not staring you in the face anymore. And that's what we have to do in our mind. We've got to change what's staring us in the face. It's not enough just to put off the old. We need to replace it with the new. Put something new on the desktop of your mind so that when you're going through that, it is fresh, it's new, and it's the right thing. After confessing sin, each and every morning when we're walking with God, go ahead and put something new on the desktop. Put something there for your mind to think about, to be faced with during the day, to be pondering. You tell me, what are some ways that we can think on right things? What are some ways that we can change what's on the desktop of our mind? We have a pattern that normally we think about, boy, I hate Mondays. Man, this is Monday morning, and Mondays are the worst. Whatever it is, that's your Monday morning pattern. That's what you're going to think about till well after lunch, right? Is how miserable and wretched Mondays are, especially when it's cold and snowy. But you can replace that with something else. What are some things that you can do to replace that? Yes. Okay, the overriding principle there is spending time in prayer will change what it is you're thinking about. It'll change that. So whatever it is, whether it is, you know, Brother Matt, she apologizes. She was thinking bad thoughts. She just so, but, but she's been praying for you. So. I was going to say it was worth <laughs> Amen. Uh, so that changing. What's something else you can do to help change what's on your mind? Listening to good music. That will help. Listening to good music, the right kind of music, thinking your thoughts. Miss Audrey? Uh, thanking God. Thanking God that you are alive. Have a job. Thanking Him for Amen. Having a spirit of praise can change what's on your mind. You might be in a spirit of, of complaining. You might be so frustrated with life and why is this is not fair. But if you start praising God, it changes. Changes things. So that's a great, great thing. Some other examples? Changing your, your speech, how you communicate, what it is that you're talking about. We want to change what we're thinking about. Getting into God's word, reading God's word. Obviously, that should be a pattern of our lives. 
but that can change what's on our mind. Spending time in prayer. What about uh, listening to some good uh, sermon? There's a plethora of sermons out there. Uh, I would encourage you to be careful who you're listening to, uh, but there's lots of things available, obviously. Uh, Sermon audio and many other sources that you can listen to a good message on your way to work or whatever. That'll change what you're thinking about. You, You know, you were thinking about you know, how unfair or wretched this is or, you know, how whatever it is, you know, I'm not going to chase that. But you, you can change it by listening to some, some preaching, listening to some music, reading the Word of God. So change what you're putting before your eyes. You know, it might. I mean, I know we got to, we, we need to know what's going on in the world. Kind of, sort of. But, you know, if you catch the news about once every 10 days, you pretty much got a scope of what's happening, okay? They just keep repeating and hashing over and over the same thing. But, you know, you get up and you have a steady diet of the news every morning, you're going to live discouraged. <laughs> I mean, that, it's just terrible. You look at it and say, man, the world's falling apart. Oh, me, you're going to walk around with the Eeyore syndrome all the time because the news, that's what sells. And that's what they have on the news. Boy, I love it when they throw in those feel-good stories. Once in a while, you get a story of something good happened, you know, how this, you know, somebody in a uh, uh, restaurant was sitting down eating, and there was a two-year-old child that was coughing and choking, and somebody else got up and saved the child's life. You know, hey, that's awesome, you know. An off-duty officer, I saw this last week, an off-duty officer was on a date with his wife, and they were sitting in the back of a restaurant, and a guy came in to rob the restaurant, and the uh, off-duty officer said, that ain't happening while I'm here. And he got up and, and took care of business. And I, that's great. Amen. Uh, good news, you know. But you've got to change what you're, what you're watching. That will change your spirit. Think, you know, think, uh, think on these things. So change what you're thinking about. Let me see here. We're going we're gonna to wrap it up. We're, we're getting done here. Uh, let me just ask you. We went through them here. They're in your notes. Uh, but what are three practical steps given to us in this lesson to lead the mind to be conformed to Christ. Three ways that, three things we can do. They're, I think they're Roman numerals in your notes. <laughs> All right, come on, guys. They're big, large Roman numerals. The first one, repent of sinful patterns. Repent of sinful patterns. Resist with spirit-filled power and replace with scriptural precepts. Those three things will lead us to having a mind conformed to Christ. And if we don't do that, we won't. What is the picture drawn for us in Ephesians 5.18? I love that example. The picture that he gives us, Ephesians 5.18, about being spirit-filled. Yeah, don't be drunk with wine. That picture of somebody that's drunk and how they act, how, because they're influenced by something inside them. But we need to be influenced by the Spirit of God inside of us. Amen? That's what we need. That's what's going to help us to do so.